Part three, chapter four of Mushrooms on the Moor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Lillis. Mushrooms on the Moor by Frank Borum. Part three, chapter four. On getting over things. We get over things. It is the most amazing faculty that we possess. War or pestilence, drought or famine, fire or flood, it does not matter. However devastating the catastrophe, however frightful the slaughter, however total the eclipse, we surmount our sorrows and find ourselves still smiling when the storm is overpassed. I remember once penetrating into the wild and desolate interior of New Zealand. From a jagged and lonely eminence I surveyed a landscape that almost frightened me. Not a house was in sight, nor a road, nor a living creature, nor any sign of civilization. I looked in every direction at what seemed to have been the work of angry titans. Far as the eye could see, the earth around me appeared to have been a battlefield on which an army of giants had pelted each other with mountains. The whole country was broken, weird, precipitous, and grand. In every direction, huge cliffs towered perpendicularly about you. Bottomless abysses yawned at your feet, and every scarped pinnacle and beetling crag scowled menacingly at your littleness and scowled defiance at your approach. One wondered by what titanic forces the country had been so ruthlessly crushed and crumbled and torn to shreds. Did any startled eye witness this volcanic frolic? What a sight it must have been to have watched these towering ranges split and scattered, to have seen the placid snow-clad heights shivered like fragile vases to fragments, to have beheld the mountains tossed about like pebbles, to have seen the valleys torn and rent and twisted, and the rivers flung back in terror to make for themselves new channels as best they could. It must have been a fearsome and wondrous spectacle to have observed the slumbering forces of the universe in such a burst of passion nature must have despaired of her quiet and sylvan landscape it is ruined she sobbed it can never be the same again no it can never be the same again the bright colors of the kaleidoscope do not form the same mosaic a second time but nature has got over her grief for all that for see all up these tortured and angular valleys the great evergreen bush is growing in luxurious profusion every slope is densely clothed with a glorious tangle of magnificent forestry from the branches that wave triumphantly from the dizzy heights above to those that mingle with the delicate mosses in the valley, the verdure nowhere knows a break. Even on the steep rocky faces, the persistent vegetation somehow finds for itself a precarious foothold, and where the trees fear to venture, the lichen atones for their absence. Up through every crack and cranny, the ferns are pushing their graceful fronds. It is a marvelous recovery. Indeed, the landscape is really better worth seeing today than in those tranquil days centuries ago, before the titans lost their temper and began to splinter the summits. Travelers in South America frequently comment upon the same phenomenon. Prescott tells us how Cortez, on his historic march to Mexico, passed through regions that had once gleamed with volcanic fires. The whole country had been swept by the flames and torn by the fury of these frightful eruptions. As the traveler presses on, his road passes along vast tracts of lava, bristling in the innumerable fantastic forms into which the fiery torrent has been thrown by the obstacles in its career. But as he casts his eye down some steep slope or almost unfathomable ravine, on the margin of the road he sees their depths glowing with the rich blooms and enameled vegetation of the tropics. His vision sweeps across plains of exuberant fertility, almost impervious from thickets of aromatic shrubs and wild flowers, in the midst of which tower up trees of that magnificent growth which is found only in these latitudes. It is an intoxicating panorama of brilliant color and sweetest perfume. 
kingsley and wallace too remark upon these great volcanic rents and gashes that have been healed by verdure of rare magnificence and orchids of surpassing loveliness even the gardens of england were a desert in comparison all around them were orange and lemon trees the fruit of which in that strange coloured light of the fireflies flashed in their eyes like balls of burnished gold and emerald while great white tassels swinging from every tree in the breeze which swept the glade tossed in their faces a fragrant snow of blossoms and glittering drops of perfumed dew it is thus that like the oyster that conceals its scar beneath a pearl nature heals her wounds with loveliness she gets over things and so do we for after all the world about us is but a shadow a transitory and flickering shadow of the actual and greater world within us yes the incomparably greater world within us for what is a world of grass and granite compared with a world of blood and tears what is the cleaving of an alp compared with the breaking of a heart what is the sweep of a tornado the roar of a prairie fire or the booming thunder of an avalanche compared with the cry of a child in pain all visible things as carlyle has taught us quote, are emblems what thou seest is not there on its own account strictly speaking it is not there at all matter exists only spiritually and to represent some idea and body it forth End quote. the soul is liable to great volcanic processes there come to it tragic and tremendous hours when all its depths are broken up all its landmarks shattered and all its streams turned rudely back for weal or for woe everything is suddenly and strangely changed amidst the crash of ruin and the loss of all the soul sobs out its pitiful lament everything has gone it cries i can never be the same again i can never get over it but time is a great healer his touch is so gentle that the poor patient is not conscious of its pressure the days pass and the weeks and the months and the years like the trees that start from the rocky faces and the ferns that creep out of every cranny in the ruined horizon new interests steal imperceptibly into life there come new faces new loves new thoughts and new sympathies the heart responds to fresh influences and bravely declines to die and whilst the days that are dead are embalmed in costliest spices and lie in the most holy place of the temple of memory the soul discovers with surprise that it has surmounted the cruel shock of earlier shipwreck and can once more greet the sea i am writing in days of war the situation is without precedent a dozen nations are in death grips with each other twenty million men are in the field every hour brings us news of ships that have been sunk regiments that have been annihilated thousands of brave men who have been slaughtered never since the world began were so many men writhing in mortal anguish so many women weeping so many children fatherless and while a hundred thousand women know that they will see no more the face that was all the world to them millions of others are sleepless with haunting fear and terrible anxiety and every day i hear good men moan that the world can never be the same again we shall never get over it they tell me it is the old mistake the mistake that we always make in the hour of our sad and bitter grief we shall never get over it of course we shall and as the fields are sweeter and the flowers exhale a richer perfume after the thunderclouds have broken and the storm has spent its strength so shall we find ourselves living in a kindlier world when the anguish of today is overpassed much of our old civilization with its veneer of politeness and its heart of barbarism will have been riven as the ranges were riven by the earthquake but out of the wreckage shall come the healthier day the wounds will heal as they always heal and the scars will stay as they always stay but they will stay to warn us against perpetuating our ancient follies empires will never again regard their militarism as their pride surely this torrent of blood that is streaming through the trenches and crimsoning the seas is sacrificial blood it is an ancient principle and of loftiest sanction that it is sometimes good for one man to die that many may be saved from destruction 
if out of its present agony the world emerges into the peace and sunshine of a holier day every man who has laid down his life in the awful struggle will have died in that sacred and vicarious way this generation will have wept and bled and suffered that unborn generations may go scatheless it is the old story no mortal born without the dew of solemn pain on mother's brow no harvests golden yield save through the toiling and tearing of the plough it was only through the cross that the saviour of men found a way into the joy that was set before him and the world therefore cannot expect to come to its own along a bloodless road the recuperative forces that lurk within us are the divinest things about us i cut my hand and before the knife is well out of the gash a million invisible agents are at work to repair the damage it is our irrepressible faculty for getting over things no minister can have failed at some time or other to stand in amazement before it we have all known men who were not only wicked but who bore in their body the marks of their vice it was stamped upon the face it was evident in the stoop of the frame it betrayed itself in the shuffle that should have been astride we have known such men i say and heard their pitiful confessions and the most heart-rending thing about them was their despair they could not believe that the love of god was vast enough to find room for them but just look look at me a man said to me one night remembering what he once was and surveying the wreckage that remained look at me and truly it was a sight to make angels weep i can never be the same again he said in effect i can never get over it but he did and there is as much difference between the man i saw that night and the man who greets me to-day as there was between the man whom he remembered and the man he then surveyed it is wonderful how the old light returns to the eye the old grace to the form the old buoyancy to the step and how with these a new softness creeps into the countenance and a new gentleness into the voice when the things that wound are thrown away and the healing powers get their chance it is only then that we really discover the marvel of getting over things indeed unless we are on our guard this magical faculty will be our undoing the tendency is as we have seen to return to earlier state to recover from the change and the forces that work in that direction do not pause to ask if the change that has come about is a change for the better or a change for the worse they only know that a cataclysmic change has been effected and that it is their business to help us back to our first and natural condition but there are changes that sometime overtake us from which we do not wish to recover and we must be on ceaseless vigil against the well-meaning forces that only live to abolish all signs of alteration no man ever yet threw off his old self and entered into new life without being conscious that millions of invisible toilers were at work to undo the change that had been effected they are helping him to get over it and he must firmly decline their misdirected offices father said young dr ralph dexter to the old doctor in the spinner in the sun father it may be because i'm young but i hold before me very strongly the ideals of our profession it seems to me a very beautiful and wonderful life that is opening up before me always to help to give to heal i feel as though i had been dedicated to some sacred calling some lifelong service and service means brotherhood you'll get over that returned the old doctor curtly yet not without a certain secret admiration you'll get over that when you've had to engage a lawyer to collect your modest wages for your uplifting work the healed not being sufficiently grateful to pay the healer when you've gone ten miles in the dead of winter at midnight to take a pin out of a squalling baby's back why you may change your mind and later on in the same story myrtle reed gives us another dialogue between the two doctors i may be wrong remarked ralph but i've always believed that nothing is so bad that it can't be made better the unfailing earmark of youth the old man replies you'll get over that old dr dexter is quite right good or bad the tendency is to get over things 
many a man has entered his business or profession with the highest and most roseate ideals and the tragedy of his life lay in the fact that he recovered from them yes there is nothing that we cannot get over a recuperative faculty know no limit none of our diseases are incurable i knew an old lady who really thought that her malady was fatal she fancied that she could never recover she even told me that the doctor had informed her that her case was hopeless she lay back upon her pillow and her snowy hair shamed the witnesses about her i shall never get over it she sighed i shall never get over it but she did we sang rock of ages beside her sunlit grave this afternoon end of part three chapter four